Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of Prison News with Sean Robert Donson. That's me, your host. And don't forget to become a subscriber on both our YouTube channels, at Prison Audio and at Sean Robert Johnson. So, in recent times, something really good has been happening in American prisons, a change that could make a big difference. A law from 2000, a law from 2020 is allowing people in prison to get federal aid for college. This is a significant deal because it's been a long time since this was possible. Let's talk about why this change is so important and what it means for everyone involved. In the past, there were college programs in U.S. prisons that were quite successful. They helped people in prison get an education and were good at helping them when they got out. However, in 1994, the government stopped supporting these programs. Now, with the new law, there's a chance to bring them back, and that's something to be excited about. The author of the article that I'm about to share with you believes that these college programs should be really good, similar to those on regular college campuses. They should happen in person, and the people teaching should treat prisoners as capable and curious students. The article also mentions that both Democrats and Republicans support these programs, which is good because it shows that people from different political backgrounds agree on something, finally. People in prison can do really well in different subjects, and many continue their education after they are released. This is great news because it means that with the right support, people in prison can achieve a lot. The author thinks that more money should be invested in these programs, not just from the federal government, but also from individual states. They believe that education is super important from stopping people from committing more crimes and from making things better after they leave prison. In the end, the article suggests that bringing college education into prisons not only helps with the justice system, but also changes how we think about education and what people in prison can achieve. Letting people in prison go to college is a positive change. It used to happen, and it was good. Now with the new law, we have a chance to bring these programs back and help people in prison get education, which can make a big difference in their lives. So let's get into the article from the New York Times. The author's name is Max Kenner. Mr. Kenner is the founder and executive director of the Bard Prison Initiative at Bard College. A change taking place right now has the potential to do more good within U.S. prisons than any policy in a generation, good that will extend far beyond the realm of criminal justice. With the 2020 law finally taking full effect, people who are incarcerated can for the first time in decades get Pell Grants, the federal tuition aid 
for low-income students. The grants are small, but they are critical to rebuilding one of the most important tools we have to reduce crime and mitigate the harms of mass incarceration, college education. Those of us who have been on the front lines pressing for this change now face a new challenge. We've spent 26 years advocating so that what's known as college in prison could be. Now is the time to figure out what it should be. Decades of experience offer some clear guidance. College in prison should be rigorous, holding students to the same standards they would experience on campus. Classes should, wherever possible, be in person rather than remote. Above all, educators should not assume that people in prison are any less capable and curious than other students. College in prison can and should reflect the full breadth of American higher education. College in prison was once common in the United States. Its origin is a series of fits and starts through the first half of the 20th century. Then in the 1970s, with the creation of Pell Grants, and the huge expansion of the prison population, hundreds of college and prison programs began to emerge nationwide. They served as a crucial bulwark of optimism and ambition amid an otherwise horrifying landscape of mass incarceration, and they created pathways to college for those communities we in higher education fail most gravely. The programs got extraordinary results. Even accounting for selection bias Countless students have demonstrated their efficacy in reducing the risk by 43%, according to a report from the RAND Corporation, that's R-A-N-D Corporation. Still, in 1994, amid a tough-on-crime frenzy, Congress voted to keep people in prison from receiving Pell Grants, saving a mere $35 million per year as those same legislators directed more than $7 billion toward building new prisons. The ban decimated the field nationwide. College in prison saves money and reduces crime. That is why the coalition that has come to support it is unusually broad and bipartisan. It includes conservatives, evangelicals, liberal academics, allies of the Koch and Soros, philanthropic networks, leaders in business and education, progressive criminal justice reformers, and prominent members of law enforcement. The process of restoring federal funding began under the Obama administration and was completed by President Donald Trump. If you're confused about why Congress will remove education from departments of corrections, you're not alone. Since the late 1990s, despite the loss of Pell Grants, a patchwork of boutique and pilot programs established by religious communities, advocates, students on campuses, students on college campuses, and most of all, incarcerated people themselves, has grown from a tiny number to dozens in recent years. North Carolina, Ohio, and Texas has hosted programs for decades. California and New Jersey have reestablished statewide systems. New York has an extraordinary, diverse network of partnerships that replicates the diversity of college across the state. And inspired by a Catholic mission, Holy Cross College, and the University of Notre Dame, Boston College and Villanova have led the way in their red, blue, and purple home states. At the Bard Prison Initiative, where I work, 20% of bachelor's degree candidates complete degrees in math and science at the same level as students on campus who come from elite high schools around the world. Incarcerated students majoring in history or literature 
all write original senior theses that are typically 100 pages in length. Students excel in the fields of public health and the social studies, and the debate union have defeated teams from Cambridge, Morehouse, and Harvard, among others. They study Mandarin, German, and Spanish, computer science, and the arts. At the release, alumni have gone on to complete graduate degrees at universities including Columbia, Yale, NYU, Cornell, and Georgetown. They now hold decision-making positions in government agencies and major philanthropies. They own businesses and serve their communities, and among many other roles, they are crucial voices in the effort to reshape our criminal justice system. Within two months of release, our research indicates 85% are employed. This kind of education can exist in prisons nationwide, but to achieve it, we must invest. Pell grants, which average less than $4,500, never covered the cost even for modest programs. Success requires state-level spending, too. Last year, New York ended its 26-year ban on state tuition assistance for incarcerated people. Next year, we hope others will follow. If states want less recidivism and better outcomes at the prison, they cannot invest in punishment alone. Within the prisons, we must offer educators a degree of independence. Real change happens in a classroom when a door closes, allowing a person's identity as prisoner to fade and another of us of student to mert to ah. When prisons within the prisons, we must offer educators a degree of independence. For the professionals who run our prisons, that takes courage. But amid the tons of steel and concrete, there is surely room for a professor to debate, say, theology or American history without jeopardizing safety and security. Last, colleges must step in. It's easy to acknowledge that mass incarceration is a crisis or to call the justice system dysfunctional, violent, or racist. Similarly, it's easy for academics to view prisoners as places to conduct academic research or perform community service. It's another thing to approach them as places filled with talent and ambition, with people poised to take advantage of all we have to offer, people who deserve the same care, exclusivity, exclusive, exclusivity and optimism that we bring to members of our own communities. Throughout American history, there have been groups of people that take particular advantage of education, of what education has to offer. Veterans, especially in the years after World War II, immigrants in almost any era, and while we rarely talk about it, no group achieves so much with little success to educate as the generations of black Americans in the aftermath of emancipation. Amid the controversies surrounding higher education today, from high stakes testing to culture wars to affirmative action, here is one thing everyone can agree on. We are a long way from engaging the full range of American talent in a way that, pre that prepares us for the challenges of the 21st century. Tragically, incarcerated Americans are among the best groups to look to for our untapped potential. College in prison is a desperately needed step toward improving justice in America. Still, its greatest impact may be on higher education itself transforming who we think college is for, how we find students, and what we might imagine they can achieve. So I think this is very interesting that nowadays we got the Pell Grams is helping us as incarcerated to enroll in school, 
definitely something I'm interested in myself to just to learn more and advance everything that I'm doing with the education of that. So this is a good thing. Hopefully more colleges step in. And like the article said, instead of just trying to look at it as a study, but to actually try to help us in so many different ways, I think it would be beneficial. So I want to know everybody's opinion on this. Like if you listen to this, what is your opinion that us being incarcerated is allowed to get Pell Grants and financial aid so us so we can enroll into college to further our education? Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your comments, your questions. And you could do that by calling 1-800-366-0911 or send an email to stories at prisonaudio.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-E-S, the ad sign, P-R-I-S-O-N-A-U-D-I-O.com. And if you already follow our YouTube channels, then just leave a comment and question on there, and we definitely will respond to it. And don't forget to become a subscriber on both of our YouTube channels, at Prison Audio and at Sean Robert Johnson. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Prison News with your host, Sean Robert Johnson. That's me, and everybody have a blessed day.